Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. On this episode, I have Nick Pappas. He's a director, playwright, uh, dramaturg. He's a Heidemann Award-winning uh, writer and a terrific guy. I did a show with him a couple months ago. It was my first musical theater-style show, and uh, he guided the cast through it. And I thought he was a really interesting guy, so I said, hey, let's do a podcast. So he came right over. Um, it's a long podcast, I've got to tell you. Uh, we talked for an hour and 20 minutes. So if you've got a long drive or you're going to put in that extra time at the gym, this is the perfect episode for you. Also, it was a really hot day, so you're going to hear a lot of traffic in the background. I'm really sorry, but it was so hot up here. We don't have air conditioning in the house, and I'm up on the second floor, and uh, the studio is on the street side, so we opened up all the windows, and I don't know. I did my best to get the noise out, but uh, you might hear a couple couple cars go by, um, but it, it is a very interesting um, interview. We talk a lot about his personal life and uh, also about the art and writing and all sorts of things. So anyway, I hope you're enjoying your holiday weekend. Be safe. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Well, thanks for coming over, man. It's uh, it's great to be here. It's a beautiful place. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about... Uh, uh, how you got into directing what were you did you study acting to begin with or how, how did that work yeah um you know it's one of those uh long journey kind of stories but i feel a lot of people start off doing the whole acting thing and, uh -huh. um and maybe even to take a step back further maybe i'm going way too far no back. no no let's start i mean did your parent were your parents in show business were your do you have brothers and sisters not at all well uh my parents were not in show business uh -huh. um i was the only one who became interested in that i've always loved movies like movies were a big thing for me yeah um and i mean i remember when i was like 12 years old going to see pulp fiction with my family oh yeah yeah um and my dad being like wait why is john travolta back and i'm like <laughs> oh well you see what happened was and here i am explaining like uh how how like movies worked to my yeah. father at 12 yeah. which was a weird which is a weird thought yeah um, do you remember the first movie that you ever saw um i don't i do know that my mom tells the story that the first movie I ever sat through and paid attention to was The Bear. The Bear, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the first one that I ever just, I guess, didn't didn't fuss at or yeah. anything. But um, my parents were very much the kind of people who, um, no matter how old I was, I was in the movie theater. And I was pretty well behaved, so I guess I wasn't that the child screaming and yelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you have a close, I mean, you're close with your parents? It sounds like they, yeah. they were decent parents they were wonderful i love them very much and uh, what did they do what did what's your dad do uh my dad uh worked on computers for a living uh just did repair on uh apple products actually. oh uh-huh um and then towards the when i got to high school and when i started doing a lot of theater um he got a camera and started learning how to do uh video editing so he could record the plays that i was in that's nice um and towards the uh towards the end of his working days that's 
basically what he did the last four or five years was he was uh, recording and editing videos for high schools and like concerts and things like that. So he had kind um, of a second career. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Exactly. Yeah, and he and he really loved that. I think he really loved. Is he still around? Persons. Yes, he is. And he's, he's retired. Uh, yeah, he's retired. And how about your mom? Is she a housewife? Uh, no, my mom actually. Uh, well. When I was really little, they owned a restaurant too. Were you by kidding? The way, on top of all of this, what yeah. kind of restaurant? Uh, they owned a '50s restaurant, '50s themed, uh, like diner kind of restaurant. Where was that here in LA? Uh, no, it was actually in Simi Valley. Oh, where, uh, that's yeah. where you're from. That's where I'm from. I see. That's where I'm from, um, which is uh, right near near LA. Yeah, There's yeah, yeah. Who don't? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, she is actually a deli manager at a grocery store. Still, it's still. That's she's a good still job. Working. Yeah, she's doing pretty okay. Yeah, she's doing okay. Um, but that's a um. It, so it's, it was I'm definitely like the the one of the family who was artistic, um, uh, the only one in my mom's family, perhaps at this point to have ever like gone to college and graduated. Nice. Um, on my dad's side of the family, a couple of my cousins had gone to school and graduated, but um, you know I was really the first one from my family. I've got a brother and a sister. Yeah. What do they do? Uh, my brother is basically a truck driver. My okay. sister uh, works at a grocery store in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely the you're the intellectual. I'm the yeah I'm the intellectual. And I'm the weird one of the group. Okay. Uh, the, the... It sounds like they're all they were all very supportive though. Like your dad was crazy about uh, yeah. filming you, and my mom was the same way. So oh, I that's... totally associate with that. My mom and my dad were um, beautiful and amazing humans. Like my mom was the one who, if I had eight performances of a show, yeah, she'd be there for same eight with performances mine. of the show. Yeah. Um, which. I always thought was normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and come to find out when other kids were like, well, my parents saw it once. I was like, really? That's all? Exactly. What you, yeah. What do you mean? My mom always once? adopted uh, some people too. Like she would become their fans also. <laughs> come, you know, just kind of kill two birds with one stone. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think uh, as performers, or uh, you just need it. Just... I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. It's. Uh, I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who have ha- had opposite experiences, but I can't imagine not having... The support. I mean, it takes yeah. so much grit and so much perseverance to it does. to get and I mean to get anywhere at all mm-hmm. in this business. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, even just to pay the rent is like a miracle. So, yeah, yeah, that kind of support I think is really important for sure. Yeah, well, I think it's just. I mean, I don't know. I think my parents, and they were always wonderfully supportive about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, very much when I said I wanted to be an actor and mm-hmm. do that kind of thing, they were right behind it all the way, going, "All right, let's let's do it, let's do it, let's do it." Um, so, how did that start? What was your first uh, taste of acting? Uh, my first taste of acting, I um, oh, just, side note, yeah. sorry, going yeah, yeah, back no, for a no, second. we got tons uh, of time. There's one no of the, hurry. One of the things that I really loved as a child, um, and one of the big things, like my first experience in life performing, mm-hmm. uh, there was this little place called the Moore Park Melodrama. Mm-hmm which uh, my parents would take me to, which is interesting because I was listening to this very podcast and one of your last guests said that she was performing there Aha. at the melodrama. Right. And it was just an interesting moment where I was like, oh my God, she was performing there. Was I was probably Ca- seeing uh, her. Was that Carla? I think it was yeah, Carla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was a, that was one of that's those moments really like, something. that's nuts. <laughs> that is nuts. I mean, I don't remember that. I don't remember what she said about it. Was it, is it for kids or is it? No. no. The, was, it was just this theater in the town of Moore Park uh-huh. who did just these really old school melodramas where you would boo the villain, you'd cheer the hero, um, you'd hiss, you would do the whole like. Is that uh, still around? No, unfortunately. God, that sounds like a blast. It's heartbreaking that it's gone. And I mean, like straight down to like. When the attractive characters yeah. came on stage, either male or female, you'd like, hamana, hamana, hamana. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and then at the end, they would do this like 
old school vaudeville routine for like 15 minutes after the main melodrama sh- was ended. Wow. Uh, yeah. And like, I've, that's where I really gained, like, I think um, the first like real love of theater. How did you get in? Did you, was there like an open call or how did you get involved with that? Oh, I actually just watched them. Oh, I, I was see. never in them. You were never yeah, in them. Yeah. I, I see. think by the time I was old enough to be in them, the place had already closed out. Uh-huh. And they were very musical oriented, which I was not. Oh, you and were more into straight, yeah, into straight play. Yeah, I do not. I'm not a. My voice does not uh, uh, <laughs> okay, carry I well mean, to. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds to good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Thank you. <laughs> um, but I was in high school. I was in high school, and I. Uh, I remember very. This is. Oh, I'm gonna. Um, some people are gonna be very mad at me for this one. Um, <laughs> I hope so. I remember very specifically thinking. Um, I had a choice. You could either do drama or uh-huh. you can do band. Yeah. And I already already loved like the idea of theater, but I also specifically did not want to be a quote unquote band, band nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I mean, look, I'm a I'm a large man. Uh, there's I would definitely have been the guy with the tuba oh, sure. in the back row. Well, um, <laughs> tuba, they get all the chicks. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, uh, tuba players, I'm sorry. No, tuba's fine. <laughs> so so you were in high school, and you so you. You chose obviously chose drama, chose, yeah. And then how I I was never in drama in high schools. So how does how does that work? Do you audition or what? Just like a regular theater or what? Uh, I think uh, well, the way it worked for my school uh, uh, was was um, you would the class you're like basically an acting class, mm-hmm. um, and you would practice scenes and you'd do see. all that kind of stuff. Got it. And then when they had the shows, mm-hmm. you would have to audition. Or um, I went to a performing arts high school, but. We were the first year, like I was there the first year that high like school the opened. pilot, uh, uh-huh. pilot yeah. season. Yeah. So we were, there was a lot of things that had to be figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we had a class where they did two performances a year mm-hmm. just out of the class. Uh, so yeah. Um, what was the first thing that you did that you can think of that, that really, like that you got the bug? You yeah. Know? Yeah. What was that? Oh, that's a, well, the first play that I know that uh, the first play that I was in, I was only an understudy for, and it was a play called The Curious Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also assistant directed. Oh. Um, so that was, that was like the first thing that really kind of took off that, that, uh, that, that directing bug, that, that bug of the power I was mad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you, I mean, did you <laughs> prefer that right away? Did you know right away? Oh, I, I think actually I want to be a director more than an actor. Um, I don't know. Uh-huh. That's um I think I always I always love the creative aspect of it mm-hmm. uh of, of of acting. Um I even think then I realized that acting wasn't just memorizing lines and mm-hmm. sort of reciting them. I don't know how good I was. At it, yeah, I but... mean, what is it that you like about acting? For me, like I have very specific ideas about why I like singing, some mm-hmm. of which are uh, a little less noble than people would like to hear. I mean, is it the, <laughs> is, is acting something for you, uh, is it interesting to pretend to be somebody else and some mm-hmm. sort of escapism, or, or is it um, looking for the applause that you like the most, or is it um, uh, taking the audience on a journey? You know, I mean, what what is it that that really like? What's the brass tacks for you about acting? I, you know, it's uh, part of me wants to say all of those th- all of those things, right? Uh-huh. Um, there's something beautiful about each each element of it. Uh, but I think there's an instant gratification yeah. that an actor gets. And, of course, this is all in the guise I, and, and, and couched in the idea of, like, I do like taking people on a journey. I do like ex- escaping myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Pretending think, to be yeah. somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing with acting particularly, um, I always remember just it's the – there's something 
there's an instant gratification. There's applause. People are waiting for you after. Even uh-huh. in high school, are uh-huh. like waiting for you after to tell you how great of a job you've done. Yeah. Whereas, um, as a director or a writer, there's a lot of um, uh, the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> Everyone, if if I've done my job you well, had a dog. <laughs> Dogs are and a child. Dogs and children. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like. Um, if I've done my job right in the directing and yeah. the writing world, yeah. uh, nobody wants to talk to me. Yeah, um, it's only when I've done my job incorrectly do people want to come up and 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 talk about the thing. What is it about actors and musicians that crave um, crave attention or crave validation? Is it? Do you think it's more than like accountants need, or is it? It's I don't know. Well, I, I think. Um, because I need it for sure, but yeah. I know. I mean, I know why I need it. I had a, I had, I had a, uh, you know, my parents got divorced when mm. I was young, so I was mm. like, I'm always looking for a father figure. I'm always looking for applause. I'm always, you know, and that's right. what got me into singing because I was really good at it. And I right. was like, oh, this is my fast way, my ticket to get that, those claps. Well, I think you're hitting the the mark right on in that um, we. This is a this is a generality. Yeah, definitely. But I think people who want to perform have, especially actors, have a specific need to try to fill something that's missing. Right. Um, I don't think it's any small coincidence that, uh, I mean, there's substance abuse problems in everything, in every job, I'm sure. But there's a definite substance abuse problem in in the acting world. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And not like 90% of the people or anything, but. You think more the, than more than well, there's an addiction. There's, jobs, there's huh? a very there's a very big addiction to things, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not even necessarily. Maybe I should step back off that. Not necessarily even substance like uh, drugs or alcohol. Yeah, but there's an addiction to something excess. Mm-hmm. Addi- yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think it's partly escapism. I think it's partly uh, trying to. Um, um, I'm looking for the right words here. Uh, it's it's a it's a struggle. It's a struggle, and it's and I think it's and I think it's finding it's it's looking for something to make you whole again. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, and and I know as a writer, actor, director, there's I have my own damages. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was uh, I was a kid who was like six inches to a foot taller than all the other kids in mm-hmm. class and mm-hmm. um i've got these huge gigantic broad shoulders mm-hmm. uh i built like a tank mm-hmm. uh is your whole family that way are they it's a big family or what um i'm i'm the biggest i'm the biggest mm-hmm. uh but they're not they're not slight small people is it something you st- uh, struggled with like from a very early age well what something was interesting you feel bad yeah well um i was actually i remember when i was little um, always been called like the fat kid, like oh you're the fat kid, you're the fat kid, uh-huh. like as far back as like preschool. And and how do you deal with that? With humor? Well, with humor was a big way. Or violence? Um, never violence. Uh-huh. I'm actually completely. I'm a big pacifist. Uh-huh. I'm not violent at all. But mm-hmm. um, humor, and I think the other thing too is like I look at my pictures of me as a child, and what's interesting is like I was never like I was never an overweight child, uh-huh. but I was larger than everybody. Uh-huh. Just your your frame, right? Uh-huh. Um, and if you see me today, I am an overweight man. Uh-huh. Um, but I think partially what ended up happening was that became part of my identity, right? Like I was the fat kid. So that's sort of who I was. And it's only now in the last few years where I've realized, oh, that's interesting that that somehow became a part Your of identity. Yeah. became a part of who I was, uh-huh. which I then think turned around when I was acting, 
I could sort of leave that part of my identity behind. Like I didn't have oh, to be. Interesting. I didn't have to be the fat kid you when can I trick, was. You can trick the audience into believing that you're whomever you're playing. Exactly. Um, and that's part of the addiction to the art. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Do you? I mean, do you think about losing weight? Is that something that you do now? Yeah, it is. You do. It is. It you're is. Not, because you don't seem to be sensitive about it. Well, it's a weird place, right? Um, I, I, wrote, I wrote a play recently uh, called Fatty. Uh, There's no place for the fattest man to hide. Um, okay. And it's a um, – the basic story is there's a children's party clown in Mall Santa who um, has been accused of molesting a child. Um, and in order to – deal with these issues he hallucinates uh fatty arbuckle and charlie chaplin right the three of them put on a vaudeville show together um and the whole thing that i've realized i was struggling with at the end of the day was you know uh fatty arbuckle is a man who was fat overweight yeah um tremendously successful tremendously successful mm -hmm. but he didn't have a good end he did not have a good end and part of the reason he was accused of of rape and uh -huh. murder mm -hmm. is because, he, because was, he did <laughs> well well he was actually there's a he if you like in the research of it yeah tell it, me that there's there's actually very little evidence really um, the, the big evidence so is, he was just a scapegoat because he was a big fat guy well what happened was um he was a big fat guy and he used to do this vaudeville show like this vaudeville routine with this girl uh -huh. um who had gotten like the third abortion uh -huh. um and this is back at a time where yeah, abortion yeah. was not safe yeah um and she had gotten one like two days prior and they were doing this routine and part of the routine was he lifts his knee up into her stomach um and he did that like yeah. he he destroyed yeah, what was yeah. already damaged right um and when the police came the she said fatty did it um, they didn't know what he meant. They didn't know what mm -hmm. she meant. They assumed that he that laid on her. Yeah, he, because he was so fat when yeah. he laid his body on her, yeah. she hemorrhaged. Um, and what I realized when I was... When this I was, was in San Francisco, wasn't it? Yes. At uh, yeah. the St. Francis Hotel, I believe. Yes, yeah. I believe you're right. I yeah, believe yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and, and it was one of those parties where, like, yeah, every, everybody, everybody was there. That's right. I mean, yeah. just everybody. Um, yeah, and, and I realized what I was struggling with was this idea of, of how... There's certain thing. There's certain assumptions made about people because of weight. Um, like what? Um, what do you mean? Well, there's definitely a uh, this is the jolly thing. People uh -huh. assume you to be uh, uh, genial. Uh huh. Um, they happy also go lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Happy the go clown. lucky. Mm -hmm. The clown. Mm -hmm. um, people also ha have this assumption that they can say whatever they want and it doesn't matter. Um, it's a weird thing. Um, there have been many times in my life where I'm walking down the street and people shout things out of the what? car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a weird God, thing. I feel like I'm so sheltered. Like, <laughs> I just can't imagine it's, uh, witnessing that. Yeah, well, and it's it's one of those weird things where it's like it's it uh, it's both painful and it's and it doesn't matter. Like I I think to some people they'd really internalize it. I try to let it roll off my back. Well, but sure. obviously, I mean, if you've been heavy for a long time, you mm -hmm. certainly have have developed some skills and how yeah. to deal with that. And I mean, I mean, everybody is made fun of about something at some point. Absolutely, everybody, absolutely. Everybody. I mean, I was, uh, and uh, for being devilishly handsome, yeah, like, and witty, that... and too smart. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so you know, you develop things like my parents, my my grandpa would say, you know. Um, those are the type, it's very cliche, but you know, yeah. those are the type of people that you don't need as friends. You don't need to worry about Absolutely. that. You need to focus on the people who That's love right. you. And, That's right. And I, so it's the same. I think it's the same for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're like one in that one in 10 person who just is 
always had an easy time. And, right, right. You know, I know those people too. <laughs> I hate them. Yeah, bastards. <laughs> you know what? We should start making fun of them for being perfect. Um, well, I think that's actually the thing is, is um, you know, every, you're absolutely right. Everyone has their own things, and mine is this, the weight, the weight issue. And, yeah. Um, but it, it was it was interesting how that manifested itself and has manifested itself in mm -hmm. time and. Um, it wasn't until I wrote this thing, I remember sitting there very specifically typing away, mm -hmm. and one of the characters said to the other characters uh, this thing about, um, I'm paraphrasing, but it was, uh, you're committing a slow suicide. Um, oh. But don't don't be mistaken, it is suicide every time you like eat another cheeseburger or whatever. Uh -huh. Which, I, and this doesn't sound so corny. Oh, was it but cathartic like, for you? Oh, was, I was bawling. Like there was this moment where I stepped back and I just started crying, and I realized, like, oh shit, like this is, this is what I'm doing to myself. I need to make changes. I need to figure something out. Um, and this was a couple of years back, and uh -huh. and I've already started making life changes to try to be better um, about certain things. Like I don't drink soda anymore, uh -huh. and I mean, like smaller steps yep. well, yeah, that are sure. ramping into bigger steps. But and... you have to do the, these little things that are achievable. You can't yeah. say, okay, by the end of the year, I'm you know I'm going to lose a hundred pounds. Exactly. I mean, I mean just, you know, you're going to have 150 to go. Mm -hmm. if, if mm -hmm. That's if that's you know, <laughs> it's just crazy. That's absolutely true. Um, so yeah, going back to that question of like, do I want to, you know, am I working towards something? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's weird how, and I think this goes back again to being an artist, right? Of being, whether it's writer, director, or an actor, uh -huh. um, I think partially, and it goes back to that searching for something, understanding who we are, mm -hmm. um, understanding the human condition, understanding all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what's crazy about when we talk about the human condition, we are all humans and I think secretly and and maybe even subconsciously what we're trying to figure out is like our own condition yeah ourselves right. trying to figure that's out right. and how we fit in with the rest of what's happening absolutely yeah and it's yeah. amazing how quickly those things become relatable I right. mean, play about somebody who's overweight in the united states of america yeah i mean that's a two-thirds of our population absolutely everyone yeah. I mean, they get it and i think even people who um which is which, which is interesting um uh, people who are very thin still have body image. Dude, that's issues. my food is my thing. Mm -hmm. Food is. I mean, I yesterday I had a, I, had, I mean, I had a lovely day. I went and swam with my son in the pool, and but it was in Burbank, and driving home took an hour to get home, uh -huh. and it was like three thirty. I was starving. I went, to, I, dude, I went to Del Taco and just like ordered half the menu and just yeah. came home and just cried as I shoved tacos <laughs> in my face. That's, that's... <laughs> oh man, you know. I've we, got, I've got it, man. So you're, you're I, preaching yeah. to the choir. Yeah. Well, and, and I, and I mean, and I've done the same thing where I've gone, got a, you know, little yeah. Caesar's pizza sure. and eat it. Just the eat, whole thing in the face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so happy to do so during the moments. And then, uh, three quarters of the way through just miserable, like I've already started. Yeah. So how do you get over that? What do you, I mean, is it, I mean, do you have to go talk to somebody about it? Do you go, I have, what, what do you, what is your plan? To get to where you want to be. That's a. Uh, uh, I, I've I've talked to people about it. I've uh -huh. started. I was I was a uh, I was very doctor adverse for a long time, mm -hmm. um, and I have now learned to give myself over that. You know, I need to go to doctors. I need to do this thing. That's right. Um, and I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I'm having some stomach health issue things as is right now. Oh, okay. Um, and we're doing all kinds of tests to find out what's causing specific food allergies. And the worst part is, the uh, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, the food allergies yeah. basically come down to vegetables that aren't cooked. Make me vomit. What? Yeah. Um, it's intolerances and allergies, and they make me really ill. So 
Wow. So it's, it's, it's sticking with French fries. It's, it's this really, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing is like, I'm finding out like, oh, oh crap. Okay. So I need to, like, I have to like steam broccoli to the point that it's, it's mashed. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I can eat it. Or you eat exactly what you eat now, just like a 90% less. Yes. And that's, and that's part <laughs> Which of it. Which is it's, awful. It's reducing. It's, it's trying to make smarter choices. Yeah. It's yeah. It's trying to, yeah. Um, and one of the things I've been doing too is uh, I was very much a person who thought about food in a way of I'm going to think about it later, and when I'm hungry, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah, which then leads go overboard. to the Del Taco incident. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Where now I'm trying to plan meals. I try to eat breakfast. I try to. Oh, God, it's so hard. Yeah, it's a. It's especially when you think of, of food as comfort. For me, it's just like that's it. Everything that's, that's wrong it. that's happening right now, I, I can take this 15 minutes or half an hour. And it all goes away, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna have some ice cream, and then I'm, and then I'm gonna have some pickles, and then I'm gonna have some cheese, and then I'm gonna have like yeah. literally like whatever is it's in the, the house. house. I'm yeah. just gonna I'm just gonna prolong this so that I can just be happy and comfortable. <laughs> you're, you're either depressed or pregnant. That's I'm it. not. Yeah, one of those two. Yep, that's it. Uh, I'm, well, I'm looking pregnant. But I'm definitely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the play. Did, yes, did yes. it ever get put on? Um, it had a development process with uh, Berkeley Rep at their ground floor program, uh-huh. which was uh, which was an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, and then uh, right now, it's I'm sort of searching for first production. There's some there's there's been some interest here or there. Uh, theaters. Would you cast yourself in it? Would you? How would you do it? That's a good question. Um, I don't. I don't think I would cast myself in it. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, well, partially, it's. Uh, Is that kind of frowned upon? I don't think so. I think in some places it works, and I think the there's one character like the the children's party clown mall Santa character is one I could probably be just fine playing yeah the other like the fatty character has to be and i think this is part of the difficulties too is fatty was so graceful like roscoe arbuck was so graceful he could do somersaults he could do flips is that right oh yeah he i didn't know that he was incredible i mean he taught charlie chaplin he like buster keaton was one of his protégés what yeah um, I didn't know anything. I mean, that's probably common knowledge, but I just I actually, didn't know anything I about. I it. don't think it is. That's fascinating. I don't think it is. Yeah, like they they were they all worked together, and and he was like he, he was the them. real deal. Oh, he was the real deal. He could do amazing things with this like large frame. In fact, I think that's why. I mean, in my opinion, that's part of the reason he became such a big star at a time. At that this time, this is just a totally unexpected from somebody of that frame. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Oh, that's um, interesting. So you need someone very specific. When we did the reading, we got this great Bay Area actor, uh, Jeff Raz, who mm-hmm. uh, was a clown. He's like he's the head of like the clowning school out uh-huh. there, and he's he's definitely not a big guy, but he's definitely not a thin guy either. He's uh-huh. like right in between. Uh-huh. But um, we had to find somebody like that to to do that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, and that's so hard, right? Yeah, yeah, I see. Um, are you writing anything else, or what are you working on now? I'm kind of doing the transition out of uh, uh, transition out of. That's a really hard thing. Uh, it's not quite that simple. Um, <laughs> well, let, hold on. Let's yeah. go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to. <laughs> I want to go back to how you decided to pick. Did you? I mean, did you audition for colleges out of high school? How does that uh, work? I know how it works as a musician. Mm-hmm. Is it the same type of thing where you're going with a monologue and? Yeah, absolutely. Did you have um, a, a list of colleges that you wanted to go to? You know, I kind of had my list down to like one or two places. Okay. Uh, but what I did, I, I went the, I went the junior college for like six years. Yeah, around. me too. I did the um, same thing. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, that's such a safe bet as an artist because mm-hmm. the. 
the work, the, the, everything about it is so tenuous and everything about it is so um, fickle. Like there are no guarantees. Absolutely. There's no um, set out path unless you win, unless you win competitions or mm -hmm. you do, you know, you go that route. Uh, so I did the same thing because I, I, I mean, I'm still not sure. I've been doing it for 25 years, and every day I'm like, I'm not sure if I want to do this. But you know, obviously, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the reality's different, but that's how it feels. It's and and it's absolutely right. And and part of that not sure I think comes from, I mean, when you really think about what we do and what any artist does, the nature of it is, quite honestly, it's it's idiotic. We fight so hard for a job that's going to last, if we're lucky, three months. Yeah. And then we're out of work. Yeah. And the second we get one job, our goal is to find the next job. That's right. And we're supposed to both find a job and, and, and perform and perform mm -hmm. um, in any way, however that works out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's this endless cycle of hustling. And, and I do get tired at times where I just feel like I don't I don't want to hustle anymore. I don't want to. And then I think of the alternative and I mm -hmm. go, nope, I'm, I'm yeah, launching right back like into that. Fucking Starbucks. Or, yeah, I mean, what's exactly. the alternative? Um, and I, oh God, I worked at Starbucks and it's not, <laughs> nothing no, wrong with Starbucks, no but alternative. yeah, yeah, that's not my thing. So did you, I, I mean, I know that you, that you, uh, first of all, how did you, how did you pay for college? Like, what did you, how did you get through that? How did you choose the school that you went to? Let's, um, let's... I went to San Francisco state and weirdly, dude, that's an expensive city. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, and what happened was, um, that actually wasn't one of the, like the list of schools that I wanted to go to originally. What, I was, just... what, what was your like dream school? My two real dream schools were like Yale or Rutgers. Like I really wanted to go to, I loved, I yeah. just loved they, they were great programs and, sure. um, and I just did the thing where I was waiting for life to happen to me. Uh -huh. um, and I woke up one day, I was 24. I was working at a grocery store. Um, and my mom works at a grocery store, mm -hmm. so not to disparage grocery no, store I understand. workers. But there was a thought of like, is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine who was living in San Francisco, going to San Francisco State, um, always raved about it, loved it, loved it, loved Another, it. Another uh, uh, actor or writer? A uh, photographer. Photographer. Photographer, okay. actually. Uh -huh. uh, um, and uh, we improv together. He was also an improver. I see. Um, but at that point, he like transitioned to photography. Mm -hmm. And it was very much the, um, we have somebody moving out. Why don't you move in and like get your life started? And, and what were you doing at the time? You were working at a grocery store. You weren't in school. Were you in junior college? I was kind of in junior. I was at that point kind where. Kind of languishing. Yeah. Like yeah. I was taking maybe a class or two a semester kind yeah. of a thing. Just, mm -hmm. to, just to be I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to f just so you could get up in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was still doing a lot of like theater at the junior college, um, and that's where most of my classes were in. Yeah, yeah. Was doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and San Francisco State. It's one of those weird schools where it's a non-competitive theater department, so you don't have to audition to get in. Okay. But it's also a very good theater department in that the. Um, all the professors there um, had very wonderful careers in a very vibrant theater city. Sure. Um, and it was also a very eclectic mix of, of professors, too. So they rely on a high rate of attrition and just, like, shuffling people out. Absolutely. At, like, right off the top. So yeah, anybody yeah. can come, but you really gotta you got to 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 make it. That's exactly Yeah. That's it. exactly That's it. like most junior colleges. It's the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
That's interesting. Um, and so you got there, and did you click with the instructors right away? And... Clicked with the instructors. Uh, I surprised everybody by mm-hmm. doing the whole, like, I auditioned for a show my first semester, mm-hmm. and I got in, and mm-hmm. everyone was like, this is impossible. You don't do that. Like, right. that's, that's not the way the school works. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was just one of those. And, again, going back to the, I mean, here's an overweight guy playing a, tr- a role that's very traditional, uh, traditionally for a very thin kind of actor. Huh. Um, in fact, while I was there, there's a, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Crimes of the Heart. Um, the the lawyer Barnett is, there's actually comments in the script of how he's stick thin and like skeletal skinny. So did you cut those lines or did you go for the laugh? We actually went for the laugh. Huh. We went for the laugh. Uh-huh. Of, uh, so he was delusional in some way. Uh, or was yeah. he making a joke? He well, was he was making ironic. a joke or when people or would comment to yeah, him, uh-huh. it was, it, we, we tried to uh, set the subtext of it differently. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but it was an interesting, I mean, like that was, so I mean, going back to wanting to escape like who I am in yeah. a way, yeah. there's a perfect example of, of where that was able to happen. Um, uh, and I well, mean, you, it sounds like you, you uh, capitalized on it though actually in a way did you i mean or were you so i guess you maybe you're just over it maybe you're just not self-conscious about those things my question is yeah. were you self-conscious did it like hurt your feelings to try and figure out how to do that or were you like hey let's just do this i think it was hey let's just yeah, do this yeah yeah um it was it's an interesting yeah 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 well i think i mean going back to the other thing is even though being overweight is part of my identity mm-hmm. i don't prescribe oh, this doesn't sound awful um and to a certain extent but i think there's some people who who prescribe to it and then sort of fit the factors of it they they sort of yeah there's like a, yeah they play the role a, there's a lumbering there's mm-hmm. a uh you can see it in the way they walk mm-hmm. um and i've i've often said things like i feel like i walk like a thin person where I know that yeah, sounds yeah, yeah. No, in, I know what insane. You mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But like my It's gait, your general deportment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's part of my identity, I, I kinda wanna rail against it as much as possible. Uh-huh. Which I think think helps other people who get to know me um sort of let that aspect fall away. Um Yeah, it's funny. I've never I I yeah, when I met you I I didn't come home and say, Oh my god, this guy is so big. I just I said, oh, my God, this guy is so good. He's such a good director. He's so oh, cool. Thank you very so much. So something, yeah, I don't know if it's maybe, I don't think people notice it, honestly, just the way you carry yourself. Yeah, and, and I think that's and I think that's part of, like, the psychological thing, which allows me to do things like when I was in college, like at parts where yeah. there are traditionally thinner people who play those roles. So you just stuck it out in San Francisco? Yeah, I just stuck it out in San Francisco. And did you live in the same place the whole time? Uh, no, I lived uh, one place uh, when I was um, I was in San Francisco five years. Uh-huh. I got two degrees in two years as an undergrad. Wow. Um, and I was out in the outer Richmond. Um uh, 33rd and Gary. Anyone yeah. wants to check what out Mold Stomp on Grass? What were you two degrees? Um, theater performance and then English creative writing. Oh. Um, that's I, I was. That's what I was shooting for before I got into music. I'd been accepted to the creative writing program at UCLA. Oh, my gosh. And uh, Which at the time was a great, great. It still is a pretty is okay it? program. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not small potatoes. I mean, like way. 20 years ago, it was top notch. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then I just got into singing just accidentally and then switched, started, literally started over. It's weird. Yeah. Well, well, I had the same exact thing where I was very much, like the creative writing thing was sort of like 
my thought process was it's an English degree, so yeah. I could always teach English you could somewhere. Teach, I guess. I always but, thought, like, what the fuck am I going to do with a creative writing degree? <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, that and four Absolutely. bucks will get me a cup of coffee. Exactly. I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> well, it was the nice part at that school is literally attached to English. Uh-huh. So, no matter, so my degree did say English at the end of the day. There you go. So I could then just take my whatever test and become a yeah. high school teacher if needed to or, sure. or whatnot. Sure. Um, but I was very performing arts focused. Like I was going to be an actor at that point. Mm-hmm. And writing was something I did every once in a while. Directing was something I did every once in a while. But I was very much going to be an actor. I, I had, see. I had an agent in San Francisco. I did a few commercials and things uh-huh. like that. And um, there's actually one specific incident that, well, two kind of simultaneously. Uh-huh. Um, while I was there, um, a professor of mine at San Francisco State said, hey, are you going to apply to the MFA program for for playwriting? Mm-hmm. And I said, um, I'm not sure. And he was like, okay, well, you know, I think that's something that you should consider doing with your life. Um, you're very good. Um, and that that might be an alley for you. And I was like, okay. And he was like, and, you know, if you apply, you'll get, get in. in. And that was like, huh. Uh, like the, I think I know what you're saying. I think, <laughs> I think I'm catching on here. Um, and then right around the same time, I went on an audition for a a commercial uh-huh. um, for a, a chip company, uh-huh. um, a tortilla chip company. Mm-hmm. And I did my audition. And this is like commercial auditions, which are, you know, 500 guys in a room. Mm-hmm. You, they bring like nine in the room at the same time. Yeah. You step forward, you read your one line. God, it's so demoralizing. It's it like, really it's is. It's just like, just call me by my name. Seriously, <laughs> please. Yeah. Um, but. At the end of it, the, the director was like, hey, man, you did a really great job. And I was like, oh, thanks. And he was like, quick question. Um, would you be willing to run on a treadmill in your underwear <laughs> while getting slapped by a fish and or a pickle? You're joking. No, I, this is this. I swear to God, this happened. <laughs> I swear to God, this happened. He said that. Uh-huh. And I think a normal response is what kind of fish? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to certain fish. Yeah, no cod. Uh, no cod. <laughs> uh, uh, my response was, yeah, man, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I would love that. I do that all the time. Yeah. Um, I walked out of the room and I thought, what the fuck, fuck am, I, am I thinking? <laughs> what is wrong with me? Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is... This is the life this that I'm. This is the life. Yeah. This is what's going to happen. Um, it was the. I was so happy I didn't get that yeah. part. Let yeah, me yeah, tell yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did that help you decide to get into that program? Is that is that, that where was you're a going? huge factor? Yeah. Was, you're like, oh, I see what this is. Now. Yeah. Like, exactly. It was. It was definitely that moment. I want to do this. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I mean, like, I was cast as a wedgie guy in a commercial where a doctor like gave me a wedgie. <laughs> it was the best thousand dollars I ever made in my life. No, of course. Um, yeah. yeah, but they have to pay you that. They yeah. have to pay you that, or nobody would do it. Exactly. Nobody, nobody would subject themselves to that kind of humiliation. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. it's payola. It is. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a big factor. And and I still consider myself somebody who, if the right thing comes along, I'll act. And I've and I've still acted since and certain things here or there. But yeah. You really need to like. Yeah, it's it's just not my focus. I think is is the key. Yeah. And part of it was is exactly that. Um, my girlfriend. Um, is amazingly talented. She's wonderful. She's an actress. Yeah. She's so good at what she does. Yeah. And I see her sometimes go out for things exactly like that. And we'll even have conversations of like, should <sighs> I waste my life? Should I drive there? Because it, if I it get it, it never goes away either. No matter how how long you do it, unless yeah. you land on Friends or something. Right. If you're, if you're a hustling artist, I think in in many uh, 
um, avenues, even music or acting or whatever your art is, mm-hmm. that unless you really find a way to make a good living, it just never stops either. Yeah. You're always being subjected to that. Yeah, yeah. And then that's the advert. That's just the advertising machine. It is. It yeah, is pandering to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Well, it's the sad part too is it's at this point, it's not even just the advertising machine. In some ways, it's just the yeah uh, media machine of yeah. the that's that's who buys tickets. Sure. And the, I, look, I'm guilty of it too. I mean, I went and saw the new Independence Day movie because I was like. Let's let's go for this. I need I need to escape for two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I spent the next two hours trying to figure out a way to escape. Just theater, just wa- washing. Yeah. Just you have to go home and take a long shower. Yeah, wash it off. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and yeah. So uh, so that was that was that was the big change. That was yeah. the career jump. Yeah. So, so you ended up pursuing the MFA. We got the MFA in playwriting. And how um, do how does that work? You just have to crank out plays until you graduate. Yeah, we actually had a really fascinating program. Mm-hmm. Most creative most playwriting programs are attached to the theater department i see so it's very much you write a play and they it put gets it on. performed at the theater kind of a thing our wow. program was actually attached to the creative writing department huh um which is in a different building across the campus from the theater okay so with playwriting you're taking classes and i say forced which makes it sound like it's against your will but i actually loved this process mm-hmm. of you know Required. I required. Guess, nice, yeah. yeah. So seventy-five percent of my classes were playwriting focused, but mm-hmm. twenty-five of them, twenty-five percent were poetry classes, short story, short story, creative nonfiction, and wow. there was this really interesting cross-pollinization of, you know, here I am sitting in a poetry class listening to two language poets mm-hmm. who are drunk on red wine mm-hmm. argue over the use of one specific word in a poem almost coming to fisticuffs yeah 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 um don't but you miss that i got so much how do you even find that uh, i i interviewed this girl <sighs> named uh, peabody southwell this re- really amazing singer and she also has this what's tantamount to a salon that she she and her partners monetize in a way that they they put on shows and they oh, wow. do all sorts of creative things all over the world and but that the way she was describing it is that they get together in this loft that they rent downtown, and uh-huh. they have wine and dinner, and they all sit around and cr- and cross collaborate basically. Where one guy is like directing a show, so the painter friend and the poet friend and the writer friend and the singer friend and the pianist, everybody gets together and they all contribute to this guy's ideas. Wow! And, and I don't. That's. I know. I really miss that. That's that's my artistic wet dream. I, say, I mean, same like, with that me. is same with me. It, it just to just to find a group to to do that yeah. with. That's where school schools really do facilitate that. It is experience one hundred percent. Yeah, I, and I, and I and I think that's exactly the the experience that I got from this specific school. Yeah. Is, um, you know, some playwriting programs you go there and they they formulate your voice to the fact that when you go through the program. Most of the people coming out of the program are very similar oh, kinds of I writing. See. Uh-huh. Um, voice teachers do the same thing. Some voice teachers, yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and it's and it's natural. Like, oh, I mean, that, that he studies with that person. I know who that is. Yeah, and that's 100 percent how it is with yeah. some playwrights, right? I read the play and I'm like, this is. I mean, technically, it's beautiful. It's great. Yeah. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah. But also derivative. It's it's this. It's they they graduated from the school, didn't they? Oh, yep, they did. Oh, that's interesting. Um and uh. Then the, the other thing about this program that I love, so not only are we, we, we doing this like cross cross uh, pollinization thing with mm-hmm. all of these different kinds of writers, yeah, uh-huh. um, which I think makes 
I mean, I know it made my writing better. It, it allowed me to take creative leaps. Um, the the way I write action scenes um, are very much like how you use a narrator. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not afraid to use poetry in, in certain elements of mm -hmm. things because I studied poetry. You know, like, in the direction or the dialogue. In the in the in the direction or dialogue, mostly direction even. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not afraid to be poetic. I'm not afraid to leave it on the page in a specific way. I'm I struggle not... with that with screen with screenwriting. I you know I've got. Two screenplays that that I've mm -hmm. written, and uh, I get lots of notes about just bare bones, bare bones, bare bones. But then whenever I pick up a script that I like, uh, I knew Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, mm -hmm. or um, uh, even Shawshank Redemption. I mean, the the uh, Darabont is very flowery in his yeah. direction. Um, so I I'm, I wanted to ask you, like, I'm glad I didn't want to ask you, but I just wanted to, to recognize that I'm yeah. glad that you said that because. I find it so dry to not speak that way. Well, absolutely. Well, I think the, the key in some ways is that every play has its own or every every script, every screenplay, whatever it is. Um, in a way, like the way I kind of think of it is every the action lines are the narrator and every everything has its own kind of person who tells that story. Uh -huh. So I actually try to imbibe my action lines with as much character as possible. So, and that is, a, is that about taking away from the director's uh, free will to do what he wants? Is that a control huh. thing for you? I don't, I don't know. Huh. I, I, for me, so on the conscious level, I will yeah. say that it's about tone. It helps set the tone of a sure. script. If it's, if it's, if it's supposed to be a quick paced action comedy that I'm working on, I'll do a specific kind of character in the thing and, mm -hmm. and I will shorten the dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, it also helps tone with the scene. Like if I want a scene to be one of those, you know, it's two pages, but it should be seven minutes of screen time. Uh -huh. I'll take the time to have the dialogue. But if it's seven pages, but it should take two minutes to screen. Yeah. I will, I will pop, 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 yeah, pop, yeah, pop, yeah, pop, yeah, short sentences, one yeah. word. Um, and I, and that might be in, in some, some conscious world, me trying to, uh -huh direct from the page i'm not uh -huh. i am not beyond saying that like that yeah because be... you can tell a lot from a composer about what they put in editorially too like uh whatever their markings are whatever their dynamics markings are you, you can tell who i mean most composers are, are really into that but mm -hmm. before publication before publishing and with the style of the music a long time ago uh it was up to the singers to do all the improvisation and to oh, do all of the uh, all of the flourishes and uh -huh. their own make their own things and i i would imagine that um that that's harder to do as a writer like i i like to be very specific with my direction also uh -huh. like the, you know i i read some scripts that say a, a fight ensues and i'm like right. okay well like gangs in new york in the beginning it's like mm -hmm. a fight ensues and there's just like 10 minute long battle of people biting ears off and shit <laughs> like that you know so i'm just uh <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a fine line, right? Yeah. There's a fine line because if I guess if you're, although at the same time, if you're working on Gangs of New York and you write a fight and sues, you're probably yeah, working Scorsese's with Scorsese. Probably just, yeah, yeah. yeah, he'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, do you write with yourself in mind as far as a director, or do you write it to be universal for anybody to pick up? Is that something that you even think about? I I actually don't think about you don't it. Think about that. I, I think I, I try to make it as There's universal. There's certain paradigms as that you just follow that are kind of universal already. Yeah, exactly. I think um I think I, I understand the reality of me directing. At, at least at this point in my career, mm -hmm. if my work's going to be performed, mm -hmm. I will likely not direct it at this point. Oh, I see. Um, I have sort of a, uh, I try to not self-produce. I think that's a big thing of mine. Is um, it because of appearances? 
I think partially appearances. And I think um, I have a lot of friends in San Francisco who um, who are incredibly talented writers, mm -hmm. but they hopped on the self-producing train as much as like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And now they don't even try when they write something. They don't even try to put it out into the world. They just self-produce it. Uh, and then end up not self-producing anything. And, well, and that's exactly Nothing it. happens. Nothing happens because it's all like, you know, they, they have 20 productions to their name. But it's all been in like one small black box theater that's thirty seats, and, right? And 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 that's nothing against that. Like, no, I, I understand. I, I would love, I, you know, I would be, I would love for my work to be done in a thirty seat black box all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I would like somebody else to to sort of help take that leap. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's 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 not that I'm above self producing because I've done it, but I try to do it as little as possible. Is it is it well? First of all, do you aspire to do any other kind of writing other than straight drama? Uh, as far as well, in other words, like I I guess my question is leading to another question, which is mm -hmm. how do you find how do you find work in L.A. as a writer of that type of material? Mm. Where in San Francisco, it seems like you would be a lot more successful in getting your plays produced. That's uh, well, I think a lot of it comes down to um, I do things like go to theater festivals. Uh -huh. um, I meet people as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. um, I was very fortunate that um, I was I think three months out of grad school and I found out I won the Heidemann award and mm -hmm. three months after that I was at uh, the Humana festival, mm -hmm. um, which was an interesting experience all on its own. Cause yeah, I what's like, that? What's the Humana festival? Uh, a Humana festival is the largest. Um, it's, it's, it's perhaps the most important uh, man. I'm no, no, I'm, say I'm, it. I'm Do angering it. people here I'm sure, along the board, <laughs> across the board. But um, it's it's one it's it's probably one of the biggest festival of new American plays. And the rest of them are totally yes. The they don't mean anything. No, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, it's it's interesting. I, I, the entire theater working world. Mm -hmm. If you if you wanted to meet pretty much every literary manager, artistic director uh, who works in the United States theater world um go to humana festival on industry weekend wow um i mean that is literally all that's there you end up seeing like eight plays in three days um and did you write something that was put on yeah it was short it was a short play uh -huh. it was the first thing that I ever was produced professionally what was it called uh the ballad of 423 and 424 oh what's that about um it's about uh a reclusive writer uh, who is like Stephen King famous, but uh -huh. J.D. Salinger reclusive. Sure. Uh, who struggles struggles with Aspergers, uh -huh. and uh, a neighbor, a new neighbor, moves in next door and sort of challenges his way of life. Uh -huh. um, it all takes place in one hallway between the two building, between the two apartments. Um, wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's it was the first play that I had published. Um, where I'm working with someone right now. Uh, we are like in very very final stages of of uh, filming it, um, perhaps as soon as September. Really? Yeah. Here in so town? Uh, actually in New York. Um, somebody somebody found it in a publication, read it, and contacted me. It was like, we want to produce this. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really promising. It, it's exciting. And like the, the people who are working on it um, all have pretty awesome credits, too. Um, I mean, just completely completely tripped my way into this whole thing but you know things like the the person who's going to do the um um uh cinematography is, is a is like a first camera op on you know hbo shows and things like that wow. and, i mean like some really cool people where i'm like this is 
This does is this a good have, opportunity. Is this, does this sound like one of the biggest things to happen so far for you? What's the biggest, what's the What's the thing that you hang your hat on right now? Um, I've got a couple in my career. That's um, probably, this is the thing too, is I feel like I'm split career focused, right? Because I've got the, and it's both writing. Um, I've got the theater career of the writer, and then I've got the film TV world of the writer. Uh-huh. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm going to be able to hang my hat on in the TV film world as far as like finished product mm-hmm. will be that. I'm working on a pilot right now with a producer that is in very early stages. Uh-huh. Um, can you talk about it or no? Um, I can talk a little bit about it. Okay. Um, What's the conceit? It's uh, it's it's like a it's a, it's called Murdering Crows. Uh huh. Um, at least that's the title as of as of now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tone is sort of uh, Cohen brother Fargo esque. Oh, about this uh this this town, mm-hmm. um, called Oregon, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, that in sixty years ago, uh, they had the one and only murder ever in the town. Uh huh. And it was unsolved. Um, and the town has become obsessed with murder. And how uh, it's this idea of how when unchecked and when paranoia and fear happens, yeah. how things start getting slightly twisted. So, for example, one of the things that happens in the town, like one of the most normal forms of dinner conversation mm-hmm. is, well, how would you perform your perfect murder and get away with it? Uh-huh. Um and of course, there's a there's an FBI agent, young female FBI agent, who comes to town because her father used to live there, and she's trying to figure things out. Um, the outsider, um, and then she gets called into the case. Um, the mayor of the town has spent eleven million dollars over the last four years trying to solve this 60 60 year old murder. Uh-huh. Um, and while she's there, she gets sucked in, and they try to get her to solve the case. And that's that's basically the pilot is wow. is her trying to figure this out. That sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, and it's thank you, thank you so much. I mean, um, is it really on the nose, or do you have some other idea about what it means? Um, I mean, I, is it about is it about xenophobia and strangers and paranoia and the things that were that are being that are in our culture now? Uh-huh. Size? Well, I think it, it's it's uh it's 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 twofold, right? There's uh-huh. there's there's absolutely one hundred percent that the Rod Serling esque part of it. There's that, uh-huh. and then and then and there's there's some things that I have uh, as as the first season goes along, where um, things like what happens when media is influenced on town. The 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 whole spark of this actually came from um a uh. I wrote a play called Including Shooter, mm-hmm. um, which was about uh, um, uh, mass spree shootings uh-huh. in high schools. Uh-huh. Um, like Columbine and stuff. Col- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. And there's this interesting thing that I realized when I was doing research um, where after a highly publicized mass shooting, mm-hmm. um, in the month or two following, there tends to be an uptick in shootings in schools mm-hmm. um and in gun sales but that's neither here nor yeah that's a whole other story <laughs> um and that led me to this interesting thing um i don't know if you've ever heard of suicide clusters hmm. um that is uh it's like this documented phenomena where if uh somebody commits suicide in a town usually in like a high school mm-hmm. um within the next three or four months there'll be three or four more suicides wow. um it, i think it's and when marilyn Monroe died um the the following month there was mm-hmm. a 200 percent rise in suicides wow um that okay. lasted for a little while okay before it finally trickled off back to to what is normal levels um and 
it's a it's a psychological thing where is somebody that you know or admire or admire mm -hmm. um or even i in the case of like a high school because it's not often the same school it'll be like the same district i see so i know somebody who knows somebody who knew that person right um it it it's recognition yeah it's, it's all yeah, of yeah, these yeah. things yeah so what the original spark was um well, researching all this stuff, I I kind of was thinking of like, what's the funny way to do it? Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the funner way of talking about these kinds of things? Yeah. And that's that's where the show came from. So it's the idea of what's what's the influence of eventually it becomes like what's the influence of the media? What's the influence of 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 a town of a small town of mm -hmm. only you know mm -hmm. four or five hundred people? The mob mentality. And, exactly. Mm -hmm. When when a major event happens, mm -hmm. and then what is that trickle effect? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when the media comes to this town, what happens then to the town? What is, how does their way of thinking? How change? do you think of this little town? Is it like a romanticized version of some place you wish you'd lived, or is it uh, some just a little slice of Americana? Does it speak to our to our culture? Is that even a thing? Like, do you have find some obligation in your writing to address uh, things that we all deal with and as a, like societal ills and things like that, or is that just a secondary I think consideration? That, that becomes. I think I put a high import, um, high importance on uh, on that. I really uh -huh. do. Of, uh -huh. of how does it connect to the world? How yeah. does it connect to other people? How does it? What am I trying to say? Um, mm -hmm. what, but what's the what's the the thesis? What's the more yeah. what's, what's the more moral part of the play? Absolutely. But mm -hmm. I think though, weirdly, that is also secondary uh -huh. in that. Oftentimes, I'll just start with characters that are interesting, and then it develops moments. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah, it comes out. Yeah, I, th there are definite times where, and I know this sounds so corny and cheesy, and some of it is is going back and reconfiguring things. But all the time, I'll be writing something, and and at the end of it, I'm like, oh, same with me. I wanted to ask you that too. When you mentioned about uh, breaking down and becoming upset about mm -hmm. the thing that you were writing, which turned out to be something that you found familiar about yourself mm -hmm. i see that when i write too and it's a fascinating thing and i also see it as a singer and as an actor where you the character um reveals itself in some way whether you're creating yeah. it on the page or whether you're performing it or rehearsing it what why is that you know why does that happen that's i think <laughs> i think the greeks called it the muses okay um and part of me wants to just stick with that it is, um, it is miraculous it is i mean well, it, when I start a rehearsal, I have a totally different idea of my character uh, than I do at the end. Uh -huh, and it's, uh -huh. I've never figured out why. I've just looked at it as like this. I, I know when it happens too. Like it'll be one rehearsal where I think, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So this actually, this is the character. Sometimes it's like two days before the performance. Right. You know? Sometimes it's on opening night yeah, exactly. and it just clicks and you're like, oh shit. It that's... really is magical. I think what it, it's, I think it's twofold. Um, I think it's, partially our subconscious i think there's a kind certain, of working it out along the yeah, way yeah I, I think that's that's exactly it i think our subconscious um and, and and it works on two levels i think i think one is the subconscious absolutely um we have this thing we have this problem and um i feel like every single time i've had a problem in writing or every single time i've had a problem directing or even mm -hmm. acting mm -hmm. the where you get blocked in some yeah, way yeah mm -hmm. it, it only reveals itself you know 
in the weirdest times yeah the weirdest places yeah and it's not usually then the mundane like if you're in the shower for me it's like if i'm yep. showering or ironing or doing something repetitive just falling asleep that's it yeah it comes to you and, and i think that's it is is um sometimes the harder i think about something the yeah. the further i get away from the solution from the solution and when i just let it go all of a sudden i'll wake up and I'll be like oh shit it's right right um, right and i think that's i think that's part of it i think I think the subconscious also does that with life, right? Where mm-hmm. um, I think I've always wanted to learn how to be thinner and, and make these life, these really major life changes on how to do that. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is is, is acceptance, not mm-hmm. being too hard on yourself. Absolutely. And letting it go. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and I think that's exactly it. And that's 100%. And I think the subconscious needs to do its work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for some people, and I don't know if we're the if we're the lucky ones or for the we're yeah, the, the unlucky yeah. ones, uh-huh. where some people I think don't need to sit in front of a computer and type for seventeen hours to reveal that about themselves. They yeah. just are like, oh, th- that's what it is. That's or easy. they don't, or or uh, or they don't even consider it. Maybe or there's that too. They're just they just are who they are. Yeah, and that's enough. Uh, absolutely. You know, I don't think that's part of being an artist. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I struggle with that too, and I know what you're saying. Yeah, I mean the un- the the subconscious mind uh, is the thing that kind of um, unravels those those problems that you think you can yeah. intellectually unravel, but you really you really can't. You can't. Like when you have writer's block or or oh. I mean, yeah, you got it's the worst. Exactly. I um, <laughs> it's weird how that 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 thing works too. Um, I I was falling asleep one time. And I was working on this thing, and I was struggling so hard, and I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I could not figure out what what that what the breakthrough was. It yeah. wasn't happening, yeah. and I was half asleep, and all of a sudden, it popped in my yeah. head, and I was like, "That is it." Yeah. Um, and I went to go write it down. Usually, I don't do that, but I just knew, like, that was it. That was it, and almost to the point of like, I mean, I know this sounds cheesy, right? But like, I'm laying there, and it pops into my head in such a way where I was like, "Oh, well, that's the solution. It's going to win me the Pulitzer." <laughs> um, you know, and I went and wrote it down. I yeah. I laid back down, and I and I was, you know, falling asleep, dreaming of my of my acceptance speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and then I wake up and I look at the paper, and all I wrote was, "There goes God." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> oh shit! <God> damn it! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course I couldn't remember it. <laughs> uh, that's so that's so frustrating. When I I mean I've written things where I'm three quarters of the way through, or I'm or I'm in my first rewrite. This is the worst. God, mm. When I'm in my first rewrite, and I think, what is this about? Yeah. Like, what the fuck have I? What is this? What is it? Why why is why is this here? Why does this exist? I don't know yeah. what I'm trying to say. I think that's absolutely right too. Like. F- it's weird how we give ourselves permission on a first draft to just be like, put it on the whatever page. it is. Yeah. And then the second draft is when it, what was I thinking? This is, I, I actually, uh, I teach as in all of this other stuff I teach. Yeah. And one of the things I always tell my students is that, um, you know, when we write, we really have to think of that first draft. Um, I, I'll, I'll take a step back. I always, I always use the metaphor of, of in a way we're sculptors. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would never go to the clay store and buy two pounds of clay, come back and be like, it's a sculpture. Yeah. Um, because it, it it's not. You have to shape it. You have to figure out what it is. Yeah. Um, and what I always try to tell them is writing that first draft is creating clay. Yeah. 
and we only really can get to work when we start in the second draft. Mm -hmm. um, part of that's the mentality of, of student writers and um, even me sometimes where I finish the first draft, I'm like, hey, hey, <laughs> yeah, done. I, know, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's great. I I'm didn't need an outline. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what a, absolutely. Um, but the reality is, and, and I think that's, that, that, that is the struggle. It, weirdly, for, for me, I know it's when I get into the second draft. Dude, that's where the rubber meets the road, too. Absolutely. The first draft is like a vacation. Yeah. The second draft, you're like, I don't want it. I'm, I've already had the champagne. <laughs> what are what we am doing? I doing? Why is, <laughs> Wait, why? hold on. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why have I celebrated? <laughs> why did the character's name change? I don't know what's happening. Um. Yeah, there's always a, I always talk about there's always a point on any project that I'm working on where I actually start doubting. Like you panic. Yeah, you yeah, panic and I you're like, what, why, why, what, am why, I, why happening? did I ever do this? Yeah. Why, why did I ever become a writer? I was yeah. stupid. I'm, I, am, I am untalented. Nobody likes me. The yeah, world yeah, yeah. hates me. I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to be homeless. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know what that is, but. Well, I think it's the uncertainty <laughs> of, like you said earlier, gig to gig. I mean, uh -huh. and I always have to think back. I, well, I just have to open my eyes and I think, okay, I've got a wife, I've got two kids, we've lived in this house for 10 years, somehow I've managed to do it, so uh -huh. somehow I, I think it'll probably be okay. Yeah. And that, I think that just comes with letting go, like you said, yeah. just like, I, I know that I'm going to get this phone call this summer, I don't know what it's going to be for, but mm -hmm. work will come because it has happened for 20 years. Yeah. And it's just learning how to, uh, which coming from an atheist like me but you have to have faith like <laughs> yeah. you have to just have faith that that shit's gonna happen right because right. it almost always does just because you're an atheist doesn't mean that you can't have faith in people in yeah the process. that's that's right well right. you have to you have you to, have to because otherwise yes. you're yeah a nihilist. A nihil yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it <laughs> we're nihilist lebowski <laughs> Uh, is, is that why you've got the ferret in the corner yeah, exactly. there? Yeah, <laughs> In the toe collection, that's all uh, the story. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, that's always the struggle, right? That's always the fun part of the struggle, too, yeah. though, right? Is, yeah. uh, is, is It's a nice life. Something. I mean, I, I, I always think about going to an office, and uh, the, my fantasy is, well, I've, I've got to quit this and go to an office. And then, my, and then I come to, and I think, actually... I don't really, I don't really have to work. Like I don't consider yeah. what I do work. Absolutely. Like the thing that we did together for me was just like it was just play, yeah, and, and fun and exploration. And uh, I mean, I it's I'm pretty lucky actually. It's interesting that you even say that. I mean, absolutely, and and we both are. Yeah. Um. You know, f first of all, um, one of the things I say to my students is there's always this question of, well, can I make a living as a writer? And I'm, and I always talk about expectations of, well, if you want to be, you know, uh, the most famous writer on the world in the world, mm -hmm. and you literally want to change the world with something you write, mm -hmm. it's probably not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I mean, look at me, I make a living mm -hmm. writing, directing, mm -hmm. um, some acting here or there, a lot of dramaturgical work. Yeah. Um, and some of it is in the guise of teaching, but I do everything I, uh, that's how I make my life. Well, my answer and, to that, I do. I, I meant I've mentored some some people in singing. And they and they asked me the same thing. They said, uh, "Do you think I can make a living in singing?" And I said, "Well, how much do you sing every day?" Well, I mean, I don't sing every day. No, you can't. Yeah. No, you uh, won't make it. You won't make absolutely. it as a singer if yeah. you don't. If you don't. If you're not compelled to do to it. sing every day. Same with writing. Now, I I don't know how many people are compelled to write every day, 
But to be a writer, you have to write. That's so true. And you have to produce you work, it. whether it's you have to put letters together to make mm -hmm. words and sentences and paragraphs. And you have just have to do that. If it's terrible, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have to write. Well, and it's, it's a weird thing. Um, I mean, this is an admission. Then. Um, I've also just come to realize very recently, in some ways, I actually don't like writing. Oh, that's interesting. Because it's a struggle. It's hard. Yeah. But I can't not write. There you go. Um, and See, that's the answer. Yeah, exactly. And I and 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 to be clear too, like I love having written. You, the, well, sure. It's like it's like day. it's like exercising. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I hate going, I hate but I going, love coming home. That feels great. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I think that's the thing. And 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 that's part of the that's that's part of the struggle. That's part of the thing that like it's something that I'm compelled to do, and I can't imagine life without it. That's it. Um, yeah. So yes, you will make it as a writer. Yeah, and that's well. Thanks. I hope so. That's it. Well, I mean, yeah. you have. Well, you, you're yeah, paying I'm the still, bills. Exactly. I'm you still know? working. That's the thing. Well, I think that's the other thing too. That's really important is is my idea. I think of success and and what I'd like to attain is constantly changing. Mm -hmm. And we do have that luxury. It is being in this field. It really, it's really nice. Yeah. And, and every time I do one thing and I meet a goal and I and I get there, I am instantly going well that was yesterday yeah what am i going to do tomorrow yeah and there there is an element of of uh, terror in that but there's also a lot of euphoria and excitement yeah about it. it's like you can constantly reinvent yourself in these little ways absolutely yeah. well and then i think there's never if the goal is always changing there's never a quote-unquote goal to attain and i think if there's never a goal to attain you're always going to be fighting yeah and vibrant and vibrant mm -hmm. um and it's interesting too uh, you talked about the project that we met each other on mm -hmm. which might have been one of the most difficult sure. experiences i've ever had sure as a writer and a director yeah it was so tough it was so tough yeah um and there were some days where i truly 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 hated everything about it yeah um except for the cast i yeah, do have yeah. to say l one of the most amazing in fact maybe the best cast i've ever worked no, with as far as darts. I i'm actually serious <laughs> <laughs> um especially our lead oh uh, he was so good handsome kind fella <laughs> um but really like the cast is one of the reasons i was able to throw myself back into it day sure day and was so excited to come to this place sure um but then there's also this realization of as tough, as hard, and as shitty some of these days were, mm -hmm. um, and how low I got on some of these days. Mm -hmm. What was really kind of amazing is I think I'd rather do that right every than, day than, than be a claims adjuster or exactly yeah. and work at a Starbucks. Work at a bank. Than, yeah, I know. Absolutely, I totally agree. Um, I think that's I think that's the other thing too. I mean, we talk about success and we talk about yeah. those kinds of things is is adjusting and knowing that. It's fluid. That's right. It's so fluid. I don't know if you tell your students this too. I, I always say when people ask me, because I'm I don't I'm not rich, but I, I do like I I'm a working musician and it, mm -hmm. and, it and it works and mm -hmm. I support my family and people say, How how do you how do you do that? And I my biggest my number one piece of advice is don't quit. Yeah. It's a war of attrition. Absolutely. And trust me, look to your left and look to your right. Those people are not gonna make it. I feel like some of the <laughs> best writers that i worked with at like and this is me judging myself right so of course mm -hmm. it's it's that but when i was at san francisco state um in the mfa program i would have put myself in like 
the top like so there's like the top third mm-hmm. um and the second third i would have put myself like right in between there like there were writers who were much 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 better than me um there was writers who there were writers who i was better than right uh-huh. like if on that kind uh-huh. of a level and that's weird because it's a playwriting program and yeah it's so subjective so I mean, subjective you, yeah. but that's that was just my personal feel like there was definitely people where i was like I'm, I'm i write better than you but god i wish i could do that right but what was fascinating is um out of those that are out of that group um some of the people that i really looked up to and i wish i could have written like mm-hmm. they've already stopped writing that's right um some of them stopped writing within the first two years right of graduating and and that was a very interesting thing of it's like eye opening. Yeah, where, I mean, I swear to God, I was like, these people are going to be the ones that I get to one day say like, oh, you know, that that that. That's right. I was in school with them, and they're going to be like, oh my. God. I mean, just like who was ever was in school with uh uh, uh I don't know, like a David Mamet mm-hmm. or like a or like a uh, uh, Connor McPherson or mm-hmm. whatever. They're you know those people. Mm-hmm. I was going to get to be that, and like weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, I was the You're one, the one that's out. left. Yeah. And out of all these programs all over the world, 99% of the people don't make it. And you have to be one of those 1%. That right. doesn't mean that you're the 1% who are just better than everybody else. Absolutely. You're just the fucking still standing. So, yeah. You're, you're the, the one who's there. Standing. That's you're the it. one who's there. Yeah. And so uh, consequently, I get a lot of work in town, not because I'm the best singer that's ever lived in this town, but because mm. I'm still doing it. Yeah. And I'm, I have a reputation for being reliable and that's, showing up yep, and being yep. a pleasant colleague and being good at what I do. And, because I've done it longer than this guy that just graduated, I'm going to get the call because right. I'm I didn't quit. I, and I and I actually think too, you, you said something that was that's that's so vital is um, you know, repetition and and just being kind. That's actually something that's fascinating to me is how many people can be assholes. I know, right? In such a small at every town. level, even the, even at a small level. It's yeah, like, dude, you're. I mean, you're not going to make it. You're, not at all. You don't have that kind of clout. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I I. Th- when I think of like all of the jobs I've ever gotten as far as a writer um, or director, really, mm-hmm. um, it's fascinating. I can kind of bring them back to one or two sources where this person took a chance on me here. And then from there, I met somebody who got me a job who then introduced mm-hmm. me to somebody who introduced me to something, somebody and all over the map. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I really trace it back, it's like, oh. Um, like the thing we worked on, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 25 steps, 25 degrees of separation, but mm-hmm. I can trace it back to one specific source. That's right. And not disappointing the person who threw the dice on you, on Absolutely. your behalf. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's half of it. Like if somebody mm-hmm. recommends you for something, do a good job. Oh yeah. And then they will either hire you again or they will tell the next person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hired that guy. You should hire him. Yeah, absolutely. It's so simple. It really is. Show up and just suit up and show up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's it. Well, and again, just like we're talking about, just staying in the game is, but it makes you makes you better than ninety nine percent. Just being on time and being kind makes you better than, I would say seventy five percent. I know, perhaps. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's not that those seventy five percent are all assholes or something. Yeah. It's just that they're late or they're undependable or that they say they're going to do one thing, and it doesn't come in. Yeah, um, that's where artists get a bad reputation for absolutely. being flaky. Absolutely, uh, they're they're no, they're very rarely the ones that are calling the shots or make it to any kind of yeah. success. But mm-hmm. they they tend to kind of ruin the reputation of most of us. Yeah, yeah, those bastards. Yeah. Well, what else? <laughs> have we covered everything? Um, what else have you got? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we didn't talk about. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. We didn't talk about directing. We, I, I feel like we talked about writing for a, a long 
a long time. Yeah, what do you, what is, we wrapped? I don't know. What is okay? What is it about is, directing that you enjoy the most? Um, is it being able all to, the control? Uh, no, no um, I mean, <laughs> is it about being? Is it shaping the the uh, the the? What am I trying to say? Like the the purpose of that piece of art? Is it mm. about shaping that for the audience that you enjoy the most? Is it uh, is it helping actors be their best? Um, obviously, I mean that must be thrilling. Well, I, you know what? I think that's actually. That's, that's 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 the perfect way of putting it. It's shaping and helping everything be its best. Um, I'm very much a person. And I think this goes with, along with the writing um, aspect of it mm -hmm. is that um, what really is important to me is telling a story and moving people. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very much the kind of person who, if after anything I've worked on, one audience member looks at another audience member is like, so you want to get a drink? Um like, what do you want for dinner? Yeah. I failed. Yeah. Um, I'd much prefer someone stand up and go, fuck you. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I fucking hated that. Yeah. And let me tell you all the fucking reasons why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that to me is exciting that we're moving people to action. We're moving right. people to. To react. To yeah. react, mm -hmm. to think. Um, mm -hmm. What I love about directing um, specifically is the fact that uh, if you do it right, um you create a cohesive whole mm -hmm. um, that includes everything from costume design to yeah. sound design yeah. to stats. It becomes to... invisible. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you, if you're doing it right, you can put in these beautiful, lovely metaphors of just, I, I was, I did this thing recently where um, I directed this play. And to me, the whole idea of the play is that we are guarded people who put up all kinds of barriers to love. And we have, we do not want we do not want in any way, shape, or form to let people in, but somehow we do. And we have these heaps of garbage around us uh, that are the times we've been hurt and times we've been scarred. Mm -hmm. And eventually you strip all of these things away piece by piece by piece by piece, mm -hmm. and you're sort of left naked mm -hmm. and, and whole. Um, and that, that was my concept. Like That was what the play was about to yeah. me. Yeah. So not only was the acting, like working with the actors, trying to just constantly strip away the um, walls that we put up. Their own to, walls. Their own as walls. People. Yeah, as, as people. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and getting to a point of just not the, the characters. Clearest the, open the, honesty. The actors themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, in the staging, one of the things that we did, the set, like I had the most brilliant set designer that I worked with. And um, um he was incredible and and we were talking about this metaphor and like what we ended up creating was um it all took place in the forest mm -hmm. um even though a lot of these things took place in like buildings or whatever but it was this a, very, a contemporary play a contemporary but it was almost main actually oh okay um i don't know if you're familiar with it um it's it's nine short vignettes about love that is off it's and there's like a magical realism thing to it it's mm -hmm. often produces this really silly comedy mm -hmm. but to me there was this like beautiful dramatic like through through line that if mm -hmm, it's universal yeah and if you mm -hmm. treated it seriously if you were to treat it seriously it would be um it would uh it could it could there's some power to there's it, power yeah. yeah you can really move people mm -hmm. and as each scene like so the, so the play started in this like forest setting with like snow around because it takes place in maine in the winter yeah and every single set for all nine short pieces was on stage and like crumbled over and like on the ground and like 
in heaps and masses. Mm -hmm. And then as each scene was performed, the crew would come out, set up the stage, and then remove it. And then set it up and remove it. And what we went from this huge, cluttered, just shit everywhere mm -hmm. on the set to mm -hmm. this open space. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, and then in the last scene, there's a moment where two characters um, are wearing like 25 layers of clothing and they decide to make love for the first time. Um, and in How do the you come up with this? Where um, does it come from? Just reading the script a billion times and Jeez, getting beautiful. a hunch and just running with the hunch. Wow. Um, and part of it's like within the script. Like, so in the script, it's actually written that they're wearing like 25 layers of clothing and they take it all off. But. Uh -huh. In that case, they're go. They, they're supposed to go down to Long John's. Uh -huh. um, I made the decision that I wanted um, the the male actor to go down to boxers and mm -hmm. the female actor to go down to like very covering boy shorts and like a sports bra. Mm -hmm. um, so there was no sexuality yeah. to it. Um, but this idea that we were seeing body, right? We were seeing body, and again, like the metaphor of going completely covered to, in a way, naked. Yeah. Why didn't human. you go totally naked? Uh, the place I was at. Oh, uh, it was a constraint. It was a, it was a college. Would so. you have done that in under different circumstances? Um, I would have put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. Um, I think in some in some ways I would have, but also if I had it's a little cheap or well, I, I think that's exactly it. I think if I if I if I went to the point of naked, um, one the shock would be so big that it would actually undermine the moment. That's a little. That's that, that's there. Um, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, that in this in our yeah. society, it's just it, it creates shock. Right? It creates shock in a way, yeah. and I think and I think the other thing too is um, again, um, it's all in service of the play, uh -huh. and and it and would I become distracting. Yeah, and I didn't want to distract, but um, but I think what was interesting is if you go down to Long John's, like there's a psychological thing. Like if you go down to Long John's, people are like ha 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 ha. Mm -hmm. If you go down one step to underwear in yeah, today's and make society, it contemporary, yeah, people really have this like guttural, and then there's that question of like. Are they going to go down further? I see. And shock works, but it it doesn't overpower over... the drama. Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. um, but I think that's the thing I love about directing, right? Is where I have this concept, and I figure out with I, I say I I really need to give well, all the credit to the yeah. Yeah, yeah. to the set designer. Um, we figured out a way to um, make that metaphor work mm -hmm. with the set. And mm -hmm. then that metaphor is reinforced with costume. And nobody in the audience would have ever in a million years been like, oh, I see. It was a metaphor. Yeah, da, 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 da. But it works on that subconscious level where it helps tell the story. And I think that's the thing I love about writing and directing and all of these things is mm -hmm. how how we can do that, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. even as an actor. And I think that's 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 the beauty of, of what we do, right? Because mm -hmm. we... We work on people's subconscious to move them. That's right. So. If you had to choose acting or directing. Acting or directing? I mean writing and directing. Oh. Sorry. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, oh. Like if you had to choose. If somebody said, well, you, you can only do oh, one. Oh, that's. Uh, um, I would. I. <laughs> If I, okay, let me talk this out for a second. Yeah. If I chose writing, yeah, um, I think I would be, I would be in some ways miserable more often, mm -hmm. but completely fulfilled. Yeah. 
Um, the down, the the lows are lower, but the highs are higher. Are higher. Yeah. And then if I went for directing, I think I'd be happier more often, but I don't think I'd be fully fulfilled. Um, because I think the beauty of directing is you get to kind of work on something and move on. Mm -hmm. You work on something and move on. And even though productions are yours, it's a little nomadic and mm -hmm. you don't have the same kind of ownership. That's perhaps. right. Yeah. Um, whereas with, with writing, it lives with you a little It longer. lives with you forever. Yeah. And that creation will always be yours. And, and no matter what production or wherever it is, it's a thing that you have put into the world. It's it's longer lasting. Well, it's the difference between creating and interpreting. That's it. That's yeah. absolutely it. And you you feel like you're more of a creator. If you I, yeah, uh -huh. I think that's it. I that's think what that's this perfect. podcast is for me. You know, I spent 25 years interpreting. Uh -huh. I don't write my own music. I interpret other people's music. And this podcast is a chance for me to just do something that's mine. That's awesome. I totally get it. Do you are do you compose? Is that like a thing no. that you like to do? No, I don't compose. I mean, I my friends compose. Uh huh. But uh, no, I've never I've never written anything. Do, is that something you think you'd want to do? Well, sure. I mean, I'd love to play the piano virtuosically too. I just don't <laughs> want to practice. <laughs> yeah. Touche. Yeah, absolutely. Touche. Good point. Good point. Well, listen, man, it was great having you on the it's show. Been awesome. Thank it's you really so much nice. For and me here. Uh, let's do it again. I might yeah. have to chop this one in half. I mean, this is an hour and twenty minutes. Oh my god! Did we really? <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! I'm sorry. I get great. talking. And... No, dude, it was perfect. It was great to see you. Awesome. It was good seeing you. And thank Thanks you so much. All right. Well, that was Nick Pappas, everybody. I want to thank Nick for coming all the way over from Glendale. If you live in L.A., you know if you don't live uh, three miles or less from somebody, you probably won't see them more than once or twice a year. So I know that was a big deal. Thanks for coming over. I want to thank Gregory Geiger for my awesome theme song. I'm still loving it. I'll probably stick with it. I'll, I'll definitely stick with it because it's great. Why don't you go over to LAClassical.com and check him out. He's a cool dude. I hope you have a great rest of your fourth of july weekend i hope everybody's safe out there and i want to thank you all so very much for listening like to dance you like long walks and you wear clean pants genius get onto my show